Shin Splints, Philip Michael Thomas, and the Chocodile. That's right. Season 2, Episode 5 comes your way now. I've heard it both ways. 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 And welcome back to I've Heard It Both Ways. I'm your friendly neighborhood backcracker, Dr. Joe. Didn't fuck it up, Billy. With me, as always, <laughs> riding shotgun as my partner in crime, Dusty Keyboard. Dusty, how's it going? Uh, they are dusty at times. And, you know, probably some other stuff on there you don't want on your keyboards either. So get that out of that air dust when you can. It was funny. I was trying to look up funny horse names because I'm not creative enough to think of a funny horse name off the top of my head. And I'm going through and I'm reading. And it was like the, the, the greatest lists of horse names. And, and they're all the dumbest fucking things I have ever read. It's like, I can't go with that. So I just went, all right, Dusty Keyboard. <laughs> there was one when I was watching. I think it was like the, the precursor to the Derby. And the, the, the horse's name was Hoof Hearted. But the oh, way nice. the, the announcer said it sounded like Hoof Hearted. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did come across one I thought about using. was um, There was two. There was a Slump Buster. And uh, junk in the trunk, and oh, I wow. thought about those. But Billy, you're not a slump buster. I mean, look at you. You're you're. I mean, fella, sometimes so. I gotta look for a slump buster every once in a while. I mean, we all need them, but uh, <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens. So you want to run us through our uh, our process before we get started, brother? It starts with the holla, ends with the cream skull, and then if there's time in between, little Thundercats. Oh, so let's get into it. Yes, yeah, season two, episode five, and down the stretch comes murder. This was a great episode, Billy. Uh, from start to finish, uh, you know this is this is one of those ones where the the story was great, uh, the crime was good, but man, it was just a mile a minute with the yucks. <laughs> I loved this episode yeah. from start to finish. I think this is one of the ones I've seen the most, probably up there. No lie, fifty times, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say fifty times. And I've probably used more lines in this episode in casual conversation as weird as that sounds than any other time and we'll get to it when we get you know through the episode but i i watched this probably six times twice on fast speed but four times since the last time we met up and i just love this episode it, it's absolutely great and I, and I have watched this a ton myself one because it's hilarious but two it's it's on right before meet is murder which is uh next week's episode which i absolutely love uh especially with gus's uncle so back-to-back episodes here you know this one and the one we'll get next with the with the the guests just knocking it uh out of the park wow and, and jimmy jimmy nichols is just one of those characters that when you watch this show, you're you're never gonna forget because he is oh, just everything that comes out of his mouth is absolute pure gold. And the fact that he's a like, I, he's not a little person, he's just a jockey, so he's you know figuratively a little person. He's not you know yeah, he's just a small yeah. dude. And growing up, uh, there was a kid in our neighborhood actually, uh, R.I.P. Uh, he was a great kid, but his dad was a jockey at Suffolk Towns, <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he wasn't a little person either. But he was you know he was a little dollop of a man. Yeah, I love that little dollop of a man. It's a great way to, to enormous forearms. Well, well, I bet you're right. He's got to you know, you know, hold that horse. You know, we're flying off. But uh, this was just overall. This was this was a banger of an episode. So the cold open. This I love it. This I think this really starts to kick off the run of '80s nostalgia on the show because you get um, I run so far away uh, playing in the background as the kids are uh, running down the street. And we find out it's it's Sean, it's Gus, and it's a whole bunch of other kids. You don't know exactly what they're running from. Uh, and then it, it it 
pans right to Sean and Gus being chased into the school, standing by their lockers. And this is where we get introduced to Jimmy Nichols. And uh, he, he just, he, he's great because he's your classic bully. He's threatening them. He wants their lunch money. Um, and he even makes sure, you know, he threatens to kick Sean's ass if he doesn't give him the money out of his kangaroo shoes, which I uh, thought was a perfect touch. I didn't know those, though. Did you have those? You're slightly older than me. I didn't even know what those were. I never had them, but I think I might have had a buddy that had them, you know, because because when he when they showed him on when I first watched this, the episode, when I first watched the show way back when I, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember those shoes. So it was either one of those things where a buddy of mine had them or I just remember them from my youth in terms of some sort of, you know, commercial or or whatever. But those are pretty awesome. They have a little zipper on the side, yeah. you, can, you, know, you know, pull out a couple of bills, you know, uh, really, really helpful in a pinch. Because they do bust out like the really odd stuff, like, and I didn't know if it was true or not. Like, Jet Jaguars was one of the ones I think in the um the uh, the fire episode, Earth, Wind, and Wait for It. So I was like really curious, like, because I, I don't think those are a real thing. So I was curious as if like these were a real thing, but I think they were at the time. Yeah, I think they were, and they're, and they're great because if you're you know rocking a pair of Umbros, yet there's no pockets in them, some mm -hmm. bitches, right? So you got to get home from soccer practice, and you want to stop at Cumbies and you know get a little snack on your way home. Boom, you just reach down to your shoes and bam, bam. two bags of uh, you know gummy worms for a buck, and you're you're golden, you know. Uh, so <laughs> getting getting us back on track. So uh, this episode, the case is uh, it, it starts off pretty simple. So a jockey named Jimmy Nichols is a bully who went to school with Sean and Gus. Uh, he comes back as an adult, hires them to find out why his horses keep losing. Things become more complicated when another jockey dies in the midst of a race. So this starts off as a very simple thing. You know, he just wants uh, Gus to use his psychic abilities to read the horses to figure out why he keeps losing. Um, but then during the course of their investigation, the case becomes something else where – and it's now a murder case, and they got to solve that, and all the sort of little twists and turns that this episode takes. And I and I think it was, you know, overall, like I said, like the comedy takes precedence in this episode. Oh but man, the, does it ever! <laughs> but the case itself was actually pretty good. There was like, oh, it's it's a brilliant case, and I'm sure it's a rip from the headlines somewhere because it's pretty intricate how they do it. Yeah, and so what's what's great about this is so one of the great themes to this episode is the relationship with Sean and Gus had with Jimmy Nichols. They, they are adults now and they are still terrified of this guy. And when he, when they see him for the first time as an adult and he's literally half their size, you know, it's like, how could these guys still be terrified of him? But he's still, he still kind of bullies them, which is Oh, great. it's so good. And, and I just love the classic. And they did this in the poker playing episode too, where they have the shot where you're thinking it's going to be. And then they just whoop. Yep. Zoom down to him. Yeah. And, and so it's absolutely it's it, it's absolutely great. And so what what it sort of is all about, like I said, he he's he's apparently a really famous jockey, and he's been on a hot streak until he's gotten to Santa Barbara. And the stretch of races that he's been on, he's been on a, on a real cold streak. He's not winning, he's losing his mounts, and he wants to, you know, he wants to get you know shit figured out. So he wants to, you know, hire, you know, Gus uh, or Sean, I should say. Uh, to figure out because he talked to some kids from school and they sort of recommended him. So that, I thought that was a, a really interesting little touch there. But so during the course of this investigation, you know, yeah, the, you meet the, some of the players, you meet yeah. uh, Phil, uh, Phil the Thrill, Sir Sil. Yeah. Uh, he had the pick six and 86. Uh, <laughs> he's a degenerate gambler. You get a yeah. uh, TBW tall blonde woman. 
Um, that's Jimmy Nichols's wife. Um, and it looks like that Sean picks up that she is before they actually know it's Jimmy's wife. He sees that she's got a diamond ring talking to a dude who doesn't have a ring on his yeah. finger and figures out she's some sort of a mistress. And then you got the guy, the announcer guy, Barry at the track. Yeah. So we, so during this, you know, Sean doing his little thing there at the, you know, at the track, he's seems like, I don't know, there's nothing really, nothing really to go here. I just, it's essentially, you're, you're just losing. And, and another thing about this, why Sean really wants to take this case is that we learned throughout the episode that, and this is another one of the themes that happens in the episode that when they were in school together, uh, Jimmy got expelled uh, for shooting a spitball at the teacher, and Sean was the one that ratted him out, and yeah. has been been holding that secret, you know, all this time. So he's like, he wants to, uh, you know, make amends for Jimmy what out. he did because he yeah. got him kicked out of school because he was really under pressure because Chips was coming on and he That's wanted right. to go see it, and it was the one where the car jumps the car with the empty car carrier on it, and Gus is like, that happens in every episode, yeah. <laughs> which was great. And I love when they reference Chip; they always reference, oh, yeah. uh, you know, reference Chips. It's absolutely. Uh, fantastic so sean you know they're, they're doing things Sean's like yeah, there's there's nothing here and so while they're just kind of hanging around and, and and watching the race they bump into henry uh henry is a, a prick you know yeah. like in this moment he's a prick and, and i bit. would actually say in in and overall in the episode it's actually a really kind of nice episode yeah. with sean and henry but you know sean tells him why he's there he's there for a case and henry of course takes this opportunity to insult him you know, before, you know, he, you know, so I was like, hey, Moonbeams doesn't have anything to do with moonbeams and space crystals. Right, right. So, but it was classic, Henry. I just, I just love having, I love, you know, announcing the, the Henry Prick alert. Uh, you know, but as they're sort of just nonchalantly watching this race, this is where uh, Juan Carlos dies. He's the jockey that you see talking to tall blonde mm -hmm. woman uh, earlier. And so now, now things have, you know, been kicked up a notch. And so throughout the course of this, you know, investigation, you know, we learn a lot of different things. And this is what, what makes this episode great, I think, Billy, is that uh, there's just all these sort of little things that just sort of connect to each other. And then when we get to the big reveal, uh, it was actually, a, you know, because you get a sense of, you don't really get a sense of what the case is. And, you know, is is it, you know, why was this guy murdered? And, 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 and so what, what were some of your thoughts about that? I thought it was really good because you're right. When you watch it as much as I do, you don't get the fresh eyes on it. But if you're watching this for the first time, if you're watching along with us, it's really cool because they plant so many little seeds throughout the yeah. entire episode. And Sean is in the final scene, which we'll get to in a second. And he's still got no clue. He's still got to figure it all out. He knows something's up, but he has no idea of the the how. And the he knows and the, he doesn't really know the how. He knows the what kind of but he doesn't know like what they were doing to make it happen. And then, you know, kind of a, a moment of clarity he gets, but it really is just a tremendous crime and they plant the seeds along the way. Yeah. And the seeds aren't obvious and it, he doesn't really know. All he knows is the what, and he doesn't figure out the who, the how and the why really until the last 10 minutes of the episode, mm -hmm. which is why we, I mean, we say it over and over again. It's, I mean, it's why we love this show. Because when they when they have an episode like this where you've you, you've got this you've got great comedy and you've got a very interesting case and you don't know who it is or why until the very end and then you, you when you get to the reveal like oh that that's perfect right yeah, this we, was 
Oh yeah, sorry. Because there's so much, uh, there's a big information dump. So, uh, you know, uh, Juan Carlos is dead, and they don't know, you know, what happened. So we get the autopsy. He had a bunch of drugs in his system. Lassie even goes, Sean, you were right. He wasn't, you know, just. It wasn't random. He was. He did die of a drug overdose. And we'll get to one of the greatest quotes in the entire <laughs> episode from Lassie a little later on. Um, but that's what they put it on. They just put yeah. it on that. Oh, he had, he had a, heart a drug overdose. Like he, yeah. yeah, he he had all these other drugs in his system. You know, mixed with the ketamine, made his heart explode. They didn't realize that Sean, like nobody would realize it because Sean's so observant that he was having an affair with another woman. Yeah. So the chief gets them to look into it before they just kind of call it a drug overdose type of thing. Plus, yeah. like I know people do special K, but yeah. it seems like a really odd thing to have all of those other things in your system too, especially right. as a tiny little man. But uh, yeah. I guess, you know, he's sleeping with other people's wives, having yeah. a hell of a time riding a horse. Yeah. Um, and you have here that, you know, Sean's stumped. And where does he go when he's stumped? He goes to Henry, and and so this is where Henry was actually, you know, really good. You know, so he gives Sean some uh, some great advice here. You gotta broaden it, your vision, Sean. You need to what what does that mean? What, does, what does that even mean? I don't look at the outskirts of a case. <laughs> and then he storms off like a little girl, which was great. But that was I did storm off like a little girl. I'll give you right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was great advice because this will happen with Sean. We've seen this from time and time again. He gets tunnel vision, right? Mm-hmm. And he's just zeroing in on one thing. It was. And, and that's what I think they did it great with this episode as a whole is they got you to zero in on one thing, and we're, you're just like, okay, why? <laughs> you know, we're focused on this jockey here and why he's losing, but this one dies, and then you know, all your focus is on is, well, he's dead, and there's there's so much more going on around yeah. it, so that when they give you the reveal, you're like, oh. And while all this is going on, he's still also simultaneously trying to solve the spitball case where he didn't broaden his vision either. So it's a nice little microcosm, kind of like one of my favorite books, a separate piece, uh, the John Knowles classic, where they're doing, you know, the war inside and the war outside. But like Sean is trying to figure out both crimes at once, but he storms out of his dad's, but his dad did plant that little seed in him. Yeah. And it helps him actually solve both cases. (laughs) Well, actually it doesn't, but he, he realizes that Jimmy isn't the only spitter. Which might be the best reveal of them all. You know, mm-hmm. is that not only, you know, does Sean figure out or realize that not it wasn't Jimmy Nichols who shot the spitball at the teacher, but there was a second spitter. So then he becomes obsessed, you know, like you said, with the second spitter. And when we get the reveal of who the second spitter was, I was yeah. blown away. You, I'm Absolutely a man of untold mysteries too, Sean. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, we'll get yeah. there. But like it's it, yeah, you know, it's a comedy and you've seen it already if you're listening to this. But <laughs> You know, Sean does actually figure it out that he was too focused on the finish line. So yeah. he goes back. He agrees to wear the track shirt with his dad, even though it looks like a uh, something uh, a monkey de- designed coming off an eight day sugar binge <laughs> made a girl cry outside. Um, but he does figure out that they all get hit with something at the clubhouse turn because Jimmy, in his interrogation, actually says they were all running great until the clubhouse turn. Showing yeah. you that even when he had the bad mounts, he was still going to ride them to the finish line. Yeah. So the people who were in on the scam were taking out the favorites, which obviously is Jimmy, and making them slow down. So Sean realized that all of them are slowing down there because they're getting hit with a dark dipped in ketamine, uh, which will slow down a horse. But if it hits, you know, uh, what's his name, Juan Carlos, he's going to die. And he realizes that Juan Carlos does get hit by something. Yeah, because he's watching the tapes because Henry tapes all the races. And so he notices, you know, that, you know, something hits him in the neck. 
And then moments later, he, you know, crosses the finish line, you know, and, and he's dead. And so this was, it was all, these were all like the little seeds that you see. And one of the things that Sean noticed is that when he's watching the tapes is that the announcer, Barry, uh, sounds surprised. Hey, uh, shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, you know, he's expecting a certain outcome. And when it didn't happen, you know, so Sean picked up on that. Beautiful you know, spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so there was all these great little scenes. And, and and I think the best part about this, too, is that when we get to the real reveal in just a moment, is that, you know, he, um, you know, th these guys would have gotten away with it mm -hmm. had it not been for the guy dying on accident. Right. Because yeah. it was almost a perfect like con that these guys were running. Yeah, and, it was. If they if the guy was a little more accurate, they would never would have known because you're yeah. not going to notice it. And like a tiny bit of ketamine is only going to slow a horse down. It's not going to do anything else to him. Yeah, but a tiny little person, you know, Dead. <laughs> uh, you know, he's cooked. So what Sean finally realized, you know, by putting all the pieces together, is that the true crime here. I mean, well, the, obviously the true crime is the murder, but the the catalyst was these guys. There's a horse fixing scheme going mm -hmm. on. And he say he's got an idea now of sort of who the players are because of sort of you know it, it's all about the location of where this was all happening. It was down the home stretch, right? That 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 last run. It was the clubhouse turn. And when he was standing out there, he looks up and what does he see? Right there, it's the announcer's booth. Mm -hmm. And then they so they go there the day of the race because Sean's still trying to figure out who the other two players are. He knows that Barry's involved, uh, the announcer. But then he notices that, uh, you know, or he re he he remembers when he met Phil the the thrill the first time that he's been on such a hot streak, and you know Henry says and he's guy, usually a bad gambler. Yeah, and he hasn't been losing lately, and so then Sean kind of sees him like you know, you know, with his uh, betting stubs and notices he's betted all you know bet the underdog on every single race, um, and it wasn't until the very end that he realized that the third person you know who was involved. So we'll get to the reveal here because I thought this was. This was absolutely fantastic. And so what we learned throughout the episode, Billy, was that the track was going under. We learned that mm -hmm. from uh, Barry when John uh, and, and Gus were introduced to him. And this was a funny little moment because they're trying to get him to say his famous catchphrase. And, like, and the race is on. Here, kid, have a button, button. which is such an old man thing to do. Yeah. You know, he's got a pocket full of these buttons with his face on it. Have a which button. Is which I thought was uh, hilarious, but the track was going under. So that meant, you know, Barry was about to lose his job. Phil was about to lose his only means of income, which was degenerate gambling. And we learned that the third player in all of this, this was the guy actually committing the dirty work mm -hmm. was the, this meek he was the trigger man. Yeah. He was a trigger man. This meek little photographer, yep. right. Who was never following the Sean noticed that this particular photographer was never actually following the horses down across the finish line. Right, he was just kind of standing there, and he was the first to help Juan Carlos when he, well, fell he was off looking his horse. for yeah, because he was yeah. he wasn't trying to help him; he was looking for the needle that he shot him in the neck. Oh, with. that's right, right, yeah. What well, he you know he's doing this he was looking for the evidence. Yeah, exactly. That's right, and uh, so that's when Sean finally puts you know you know puts it all together. He's got he's got the the who the what the where and the how and the why and all that. Uh, so I just I just thought this was great. And another little seed that was planted that I that I liked is that when they were doing some investigation. They're up in Barry's um, um, office. His, well, his announcing, you know, you know, where he does all his announcing, and they notice all this Native American uh, yep. paraphernalia, you know, From around the Chacta Indians. The Chacta Indians. Okay, it's the Chocodile, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we learn that, uh, you know, that Barry himself is one sixteenth Native American, not Cherokee. 
Yep. Uh, <laughs> and Gus is a uh, 116th robot, but not That's the right. kind of robot from uh, iRobot take over the world style. That's right. And we learned that the, uh, uh, what was the name of the, 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 the Choco tribe? They're known for poison, right? Yep. That was their, their so... That's, I think, you know, they're known was, for using blow dart guns yeah. to hunt animals with uh, needles dipped in poison. Yeah. So the, this is the guy. So he's the mastermind. Uh, Phil was the one that actually made them the money. And uh, Ryan, the photographer, was uh, the trigger man. And uh, I thought it was a great little scheme. And again, they would have pulled it off had it not been, you know, for that errant dart hitting that, that poor little, little jockey uh, in the neck. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was an absolutely phenomenal episode, and um, you know, good ending, good start, and you know, now I think we can get to the the best part of it was the comedy. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's dump into our, uh, j- dump into our Jesus Joseph. Uh, let's jump into our favorite moments here. So this is where we can really dive into you know a lot of our favorite scenes here, and you know, I'll I'll, I'll kick it off. You know, I loved the opening scene of this show. <laughs> Like just, you know, we get the cold open of uh, of of seeing the kid, you know, seeing you know, uh, kid Sean and uh, kid Gus get bullied by a kid Jimmy Nichols. But then when 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 Jimmy Nichols walks into the office the first time was great. The best part about it too is what you you just see Sean and he's sitting on the couch and he's like really nervous. And Gus is like, "What's what's going on?" He's like, uh, "That was Jimmy Nichols called. He's coming to our office." And Gus is Jimmy Nichols called here. <laughs> It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, and he has some great lines, and I'll just use a couple of mine here because uh, there's a million in this episode. But oh, yeah. when he's like, some people are just born evil. Uh, the kid from The Omen, Children of the Corn, Chad Michael Murray. And that's the second time they've referenced Chad Michael Murray, the other time being in Scary Sherry, Bianca's Toast. So obviously the show, as most people, don't like Chad Michael Murray. Uh, um, but it's just such a great, quick line. And like, as you said, the chemistry, the one liners back and forth, you know, and then they stop real quick to uh, show the lockers. Yes. <laughs> where they was... have the picture of crocodile tubs. Yeah, yeah. Always got to hit it on the nose, Sean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I love this, too, because this was, you know, so Sean, you know, got, you know, got the lo- lockers on eBay and uh, whatever he bet, but one cent. Gus, yep. that's the trick. I'll bet a Montessori school. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and the best thing is, so Jimmy Nichols comes through the door and sh- and Gus goes to the locker and he grabs a Wally Joyner mini bat. Yeah, good call right? him the mini bat. <laughs> right. And then when they see Jimmy Nichols, they have to, the camera pans down and they see this little guy there and Sean just quietly goes, nice, nice call on the, you know, on the mini bat. <laughs> and I just thought that was just a great, great joke. It really was in the way, and I'll talk about it later, but the way he delivered every line, especially like that one, just good call on the mini bat. Yeah. Just like everything about his performance in this one was fantastic. So, I mean, scene by scene, it was built where every scene is hilarious. Yeah, and this there was just so many good, like just little one-liners and also just the reactions too that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they had, you know, in this particular scene. And, uh, and another one of my favorite moments, just period, was just Gus's hatred for Jimmy Nichols because this, this guy absolutely tortured Gus, uh, you know, through school. And so he just this was a Gus we haven't really quite seen because this was vindictive Gus. Oh yeah, he was he was mad. He was angry. He did not he did not want to help Jimmy Nichols at all, and he let Sean know it uh, at every twist and turn. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the the other thing I'll sneak in real quick when he was like, you know, you always got to hit it on the nose. He's like, well, that's because you oh, stood in front of the whole class and you said you wanted to be Philip Michael Thomas. That's right. And then he's like, well, you said you wanted to be the Milwaukee Brewers 
sausage. No, the Milwaukee Milwaukee Brewers mascot, Gus. He's the biggest sausage in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and the way he says it, he's just, he was the biggest sausage, sausage in, the, in world. the world. Like it was like a very important, you know, uh, you know, thing. So it was just that scene was packed, Ooh. absolutely packed with jokes. Uh, it was, and in the next one you have on your list, which is a great one, and it is kind of a running gag. So we can add this to the running gags. Henry shirts. Oh yes, because shot this this pro- this prompted a lot of. Um, Good one-liners uh, oh. from Sean. You you mentioned one uh, earlier. What was, uh, what uh, was a monkey coming off an eight-day sugar binge? Uh, yeah, you know uh, to, to to be a good uh, uh, horse gambler, you need to have time, patience, put in the effort, and a shirt from Mister Furley's closet, yes. which I have used in real life, and it has drawn great applause from the people who would get that reference. You got to be at least our age or older to understand that's a Three's Company reference, but it's just such a perfect way to put it like mr furley's closet like that is such a deep perfect pull and you know um uh what is it Th- there's a lot of references to henry shirts i think in the one where uh uh sean goes away with juliet for the weekend uh neil simon's lovers retreat yeah uh he's g- he's at costco buying like shirts yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> right. you and your shirts right. got a big weekend plan <laughs> so that's a running gag in the show is just henry wearing those hideous shirts because he always does yeah, and he makes Sean wear one for helping oh. him out. You know, he's like, you know, because Sean goes to his house right to get the uh, the tapes, and Henry goes, "I'll give you tape under one condition," you know, and uh, it was a perfect shirt for Sean to wear too. Oh. And uh, I think you know, your shirt and his shirt should get together and go bowling. <laughs> yeah, that was which is perfect, and and I uh, and I love the uh, Mister Furley's reference because again, you have to be of a certain age, but if you've watched three companies and you know the character, uh, as soon as he said it, you pay. It, Boom, it comes up right in your head. You picture it, and uh, it was absolutely uh, a perfect, uh, perfect deep pull there. Uh, another one of my favorite gags from this episode, too, is when Juan Carlos dies. Oh. And they're, they're, so they're all, you know, it's a crime scene now, and, you know, Sean's talking to Jules. You know, you see you see Lassie sort of very sneakily uh, feed a horse a carrot. Uh, but they've got to, Sean and Gus do a little investigating here. So they walk over to the body bag that's got Juan Carlos's body in it, and they go to unzip it, and there's nothing. And they keep unzipping it, another and there's zip. nothing. How should another zip? this guy? Yeah. They go, I think I see his boots. You no, know? no, no. No, it's another zip, and he's like, we have boots. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just perfect, because the look on their face, the, the the slight pause as they zip, and then they zip again. It just cracks me up every time, because they, like, they didn't hold back on the short jokes. They also made a couple of jokes in this episode that they – hundred percent could not make today. No, no, yeah. Especially right, right it, at the beginning with Jimmy yeah. and uh their profession and what they yeah. do. Yeah. So uh would not stand today. I don't think Dulé Hill would redo those lines, but at the time, you know, that was that was the time for comedy to do yeah. those lines. So I think it's fine. But um the spitball incident, which plays like a nice little role completely, it's actually kind of the driving story behind this thing because that's the reason Sean wants to do this case, is because he wants to repay Jimmy for getting him sent away to Juvie. So the Mrs. Lepke's class, uh, you know, uh, that whole thing where, you know, sometimes you think Sean's talking about, you know, the real case and he's just still trying to solve the spitball incident is hilarious. Yeah. And it, it, to me, like, this is the real, uh, the real mystery here. Like, yeah, we, you know, I, we, like, you want to know, like, you know, who killed, you know, Juan Carlos, but more importantly, I want to know who the second spitter is. And the first time watching this, I had no idea it was Gus. No, like no, because Gus just played it perfectly up up until the end. And every time I watch it, it just gets funnier and funnier and funnier because 
Gus is so smug and arrogant in this episode, mm-hmm. which is so unlike him. Like I should have picked it up on it, but um, lo- love that, you know. Um, so Sean, you know, essentially what this was was like I said earlier, you know, the the teacher got hit with a spitball. Sean passed a note uh, to the principal because again he wanted to get home and watch chips. He said it was Jimmy Nichols. By the way, you have great hair, and the guy's got a fucking comb over, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and so. Sean, like you said, it's a driving force because Sean sort of wants to pay him back because he's like, you know, I got him expelled, you know, and we all heard the stories, Ugh. you know, he ran away from home. He got sent to juvie. He moved to a small town in Kansas where they outlawed singing and dancing. Sean, that last was- one was footloose. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so I, I have, there's two things in this episode that I used on one of the nicest people in TV, like when she started her career at my work. And both of them got her. I used that one time casually in conversation. Well, I went to a high school where they outlawed singing and dancing. So we didn't have a prom. And she was like, really? I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other one is from the nicknames. She once asked, did Bill Russell have a nickname? Yeah. And I said, Bill Oil Can Russell. And I had to take it out of her script at the last second because she wrote it in. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Because <laughs> like I was do- like before the show, you proofread all the anchor scripts. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I was like, I'm sorry, I was just kidding. I didn't think you'd write it down. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. Oh man, that that good on you, Billy. That was absolutely tremendous. <laughs> so yeah, this that whole that whole uh, that whole arc to this thing was absolutely fantastic. And another aspect of this that I loved is that they they've done something that I think they've only done once or twice again in the series was. They had a flashback mid-show to uh, you know young Sean and Gus, mm-hmm. but you know uh, Sean was actually interacting with his younger self. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's a great line. He, he, little little Sean looks up and goes, "Is that what my hair looks like when I get old?" He's like, "You damn right it is." Yeah. You know? and just I thought it'd be bald by thirty. Yeah, pay, kid. <laughs> That's right. So that that was that was a great little thing, and then we see it again at the end when we find out Gus was a second spitter, and he just gives his younger self a high five, you know. And they both just kind of give that Gus look, like that mm-hmm. kid they cast was perfect. Oh, he's absolutely awesome. perfect. He's as, awesome as as young Gus. So so I love that. And then another uh, fun little scene too was they're at the horse track, and Sean's completely stumped, and they're they're on the actual track itself, and and Sean says, "Let's race," you know, yep. "Let's race." <laughs> And uh, Gus won't do it because all oh, you're so mad because I beat you in the hundred yard dash uh, in the junior high Olympics. Yep. And, uh, and Gus was just like, "Oh, please, you only beat me because I had a, a planter's wart, yeah, uh, right. torn just, fascia, yeah, and a patella tendon too." But yeah. I didn't want to tell you, <laughs> which is great because <laughs> Gus always has these weird malades. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got a ton of ton of maladies, and you know that's just another great moment in this episode where they're doing the race at the track, and you know they get the photo finish tie, and it's just you know their chemistry from you know, the first episode. It's great, yeah. but it just develops over time, and I would say this. I think I forget what episode we said it about in season one, but to me this was the first psych episode where there was no skipped beats no No. missteps this thing was full throttle charlie's angels three all the way just straight heat i had i had one misstep maybe maybe two but they're minor and they're you know inconsequential to everything but yeah start to finish absolute banger just mile a minute jokes and and so that sort of takes us to you know my sort of the last you know really funny scene 
Uh, and that's and that's the end scene, right? After the reveal. I mean, I love the reveal because Sean came riding in a horse, and that's just an, a hilarious image. But the <laughs> end horses. Yeah, I meant figuratively, but I like the love. <laughs> but when when Gus reveal when when Sean and Gus are talking about you know they talk to Jimmy Nichols, he thanks him for you know clearing his name. Sean comes clean uh, about you know tattling on him, and uh, he's like, "You kid me? It was the best thing that ever happened. To me. I, I moved to Malibu with my dad. I got to eat ice cream for breakfast. No, Maui. I, oh, Maui. That's right, Maui. Even I, better, Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, I got to eat ice cream for breakfast. I lost my virginity at thirteen. You know. And so he was, my life. yeah. So he was, he was over the moon. So, so that was sort of a, like a, a weight lifted off Sean's shoulders. But then, you know, we, you know, Gus admits, reveals that he was a second spitter, and Sean was blown away. Yeah, I think we all were because Gus, yeah. you know, uh, Gus at the beginning of the episode claims that you know Jimmy almost killed Miss Lipke when, uh, in fact, it was him who made her fall off the ladder or whatever she was on uh, at the start of the episode. So. Um, it's hilarious. I also love the little exchange at the end where, uh, you know, Sean, he finds out that Sean was the one to call him Big Head Burton. And oh, he was yeah. like, well, I'm a slave to a little relation. What do you want me to do? How many how many things start with B? And he's like, it's about a billion words. Um, <laughs> I know a thousand words that start with B. How about bold? How about beautiful? How about black? And then Sean's <laughs> like, who's going to call you Black Burton? Yeah. Like, it's just fucking, it's hilarious. Yeah. It was just a great, it was just the back and forth between those two all episode long. Uh, was absolutely fantastic. Oh, so, one but, last scene. I forgot to mention it real quick, but the interrogation scene with oh, Jimmy, yes. that is great when, they, you know, he looks like a little uh, tangelo, looks like a creamsicle. Yeah. And then when he finds out that his wife is sleeping with Juan Carlos oh. <laughs> and he freaks out and uh, Purvis picks him up, put me down, Purvis. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He, he is just so... He's, he's electric. Scrappy dude. He's electric. He's scrappy dude yeah. is what he is. Well, you know what? He is an actual. I looked him up. He is a great cartoon voice. Like if you look at his IMDb, oh. there's very few, um, you know, actual acting credits. But he is all like he is booking stuff. You know, ten times a year in all of these kid shows because he's got that great voice. Yeah, he really does, and he plays a great character. You know, on the show, and he he played it perfectly. And but yeah, he's like Scrappy Doo, and, and I love that because he's he's wearing his his outfit's bright orange. And Sean says, "Oh, he looks like a dreamsicle." And Gus goes, "No, it's creamsicle. They're exclusively orange." <laughs> yes, which was which was great. So my the two things that I have here listed under least favorable moments, like I said, they are absolutely minor, but mm -hmm. one of them absolutely drove me nuts, and that was Sean's soul patch. Yeah, it was random, wasn't it? Yeah, I think like you know early on he had it sort of occasionally, but like. You know, and and he generally has you know some scruff. He's never really fully clean shaven. Yeah. But that little soul patch was driving me bananas. And then he was talking about how 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 dope his jeans were. He was like, those were like late nineties jeans that you'd wear to a corn concert. You know? Yeah, I mean, his fashion sense has never been on point. Neither of them really, because Gus always just wears khakis, yeah, uh, a button down shirt tucked in with a nice brown belt. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, but but. <laughs> By the book, like by the the story and the acting, this is I think their first like grand slam home run. Yeah, I mean it was just the two of them were perfect. They worked really well uh, with Jimmy Nichols. Um, not a lot of lasting um, um, jewels in this episode, but they delivered when they were on. Yep, yep. And and I thought Henry was. I mean, even though he had that, you know, he's always got that one dig. Um, 
which I'm going to make, you know, the running gag, the Henry Frick alert. But um, other than that, I mean, this was really the Sean and Gus show. And then, oh. uh, and then when Jimmy Nichols was in there, he was absolutely fantastic. So um, Latro boys, like uh, I'm going to start yeah. using that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was great because he was just a dick. And he was just this, like I said, scrappy dude. Like imagine really, scrappy that's the dude perfect way to put it. As a as a prick. And that's that's this character. So uh in, in Thundercats Ho, baby. Uh we'll 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 quickly mention our favorite characters. And and for me, I wanted to go Jimmy Nichols just because he was me? so great. But I went Gus yeah. because it was Gus in a light that we don't typically see him. He delivered his lines perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he was just his reactions to everything, especially in regards to Jimmy Nichols and his hatred for him, I thought was just uh absolutely perfect. Uh, he was so, so good every time he was on screen. And, you know, uh, my favorite delivery, I think, was the I had a ruptured patella, too, but I didn't yeah. want to tell you. Yeah. Um, and I've actually had a ruptured patella and you can't stand, let yeah, alone yeah, run a race. Uh, mine was definitely Sean. I think this was probably one of his strongest early season episodes because he was just, as JC would say, super hot fire. Unreal yeah. line after line. You know, we already mentioned the good call on the mini bat. But everything that he delivered, even like when he went to go pull the bat away from uh, Gus when Gus was going to hit Jimmy when he turned his bat to him, he just crushed it. Just yeah. great facials, great reactions. His line deliveries, I think, were probably – this is probably his best acting to date. And it's just – it's it's a nuanced kind of acting. And uh, Mac and Goo, I think, on News Dump kind of dumped all over the show, said they'll never watch it. And oh, at this they point, do that tonight? No, last episode they dumped on um, on News Dump. They dumped on this uh, show, which was like, I get it. Like, neither of them are going to watch it. Max not going to watch it because he feels like if he like if he doesn't like it, then he's going to like he's going to be mad at us. And then I think <laughs> Goo's just not watching it purely out of spite. But at this point, I don't want you to watch it. I want this to be my own because I think I used the for the love of Laurie Laughlin when I was playing somebody. Yeah. And Mac died at it, and I was like, "Huh, that's a that's a psych joke." So I can just keep this as my own sense of humor, and nobody will know the difference. Yeah, you know that. Hey, you know it's on them, right? You can't watch everything. They don't want it. That that is fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was the Sean that we got in this episode was what you get with the when the show's in its prime. Mm-hmm. You know, so like season four, season five, season six, when the show is really humming. And the Sean that you get there is the Sean you get in this episode. I feel like this is just like everything was hitting on all cylinders. His comedy, his delivery, his timing. You know, we're starting to get more 80s references. You know, get mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, get that 80s feel that the show draws upon perfectly, by the way. Like we've seen, like, you know, I love Stranger Things, but I feel like they go to the pop culture well a little too off. You know what I mean? Like to me, like the best example, like I understand what you mean with uh Stranger Things, but that literally takes place in the eighties. Right, right. But they, you know, they, they, they even though it takes place in the eighties, I, I feel like there's at times where they just they beat you over the head with it. Exactly, exactly. And season one, they didn't. Season one, it was subtle. Season so season one, one was perfect. I mean, that that season one of that show is absolutely phenomenal because it has the ET vibe, but you're yep. really not like being beat over the head with the ET vibe. They have like right. the little bike scene that yep. looks like exactly the same. But yeah. you don't realize it because it's just an homage and it's not just a straight rip. Right. What I kind of reference when I t- when people talk about reference humor, like I don't love beat you over the head reference humor. Like Family Guy at a certain point to me 
just became a little too much. And to me, this does reference humor the way it should be done. Just a yeah. sprinkling and not part of the story. It's subtle, and some of the references are obvious, and some aren't. And it's mm -hmm. the ones that aren't are the ones that hit the best. Oh, yeah. Like the, you know the Philip Michael Thomas was great. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite ones from, I think, season eight is when, you know, uh, when he's like 80s, fashion, Abelodians, hot dog on a stick. Yes. <laughs> like, just like the little stuff like that. Yeah. Kills yeah. me. Which is perfect. It's what this what this show does so well. So we've hit on a bunch of these lines um, already, but we'll we start have with to fire Sean. off. The, yeah, we have to fire off the ones that we didn't get to because I think this might be line for line one of the best episodes. Really, and is. when Gus was like, "Why did you get those lockers?" He was like, first of all, I have no place to put my sociology textbooks. <laughs> I've used that in real life twice because for some reason, at both of my places of employment, since I've been an adult. They added high school lockers, not in like the bathroom or not in any sort of changing room, like out in the open. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? What am I putting my sociology textbook in there? Like I have an office, like I have places to put stuff. Like, I don't need a locker. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. Why? Why would they do that? Seems a little bizarre. Maybe they I don't know. This line was <laughs> ready to go. Ready to go. Which is perfect. I love, uh, you know, when they, when they first meet Jimmy as an adult. And he goes, oh, man, you, you video games, you know, slack it off. You guys haven't changed a bit. And Sean just goes, well, you didn't grow up, up oh. at all. You know, because yeah. <laughs> st they're still so stunned that he is just this, uh, as you call him, a dollop of a man. You know, yeah, a little dollop of a man. Well, you... that's how he calls um, Haversham's uh, housekeeper. A oh, dollop right. of a woman. Which that's also, right. another line I've used in real life that it, like, pe like people are like, huh. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say, but it's perfect because it makes like, you know, oh, okay, I I get that, like that, you know, visualization, uh, makes sense, uh, you know, when Sean's like, you know, I he's like I got because he was obsessing all episode long, like I've got like I owe this person, I fucked up his life, and he goes, I feel like I gotta make it up to him. Who knows? I might have stunted his growth, literally, literally. <laughs> I absolutely it just kills me. The short jokes. And I'm a short guy, so you know I love a good short joke. I, it was it was just absolutely perfect. Oh, hold on a second here. We got a swag in sighting. Oh, hey, you know. yeah. You want to say hi? Yeah. Say hi. Oh. Hello. Look. Say hi. Another short person. <laughs> <laughs> love you, kiddo. I'll see you in the morning. Oh, you got the court. Uh, continuing to be the cutest program in the DSG, but yeah, absolute, just so, so friggin' good. I was so impressed. Um, and here's another thing too. The, um, you know, when he talks about Lassie wanting the pony and oh. Gus is like, uh, he's like, who didn't want a pony when they were growing up? Gus goes, anyone who wasn't an eight year old girl. Yeah. And, um, Sean goes, your childhood must've been absolute hell. Lassie. The good news is, I'm available for hugs. And I once made an I'm available for hugs t-shirt because Perfect. I just like, it's like one of my favorite lines from the show. And he's just standing there with his arms out with, with Gus buddy. It's been a while. So I think that'll be the next one to go on T public is an I'm available for hugs t-shirt. Oh, perfect. With some pineapples on there. Oh, that'll be, that'll be perfect. Just cause like I've used that before, but I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Bailey. Yeah. I'm oh, a, hugger. Yep. Uh, a big hug guy. So uh, it's just, it was just a perfectly delivered line too. Yeah, and, and the look on his face, and everyone leaves him hanging, was yeah. just perfect. I mean, it was it was perfect. Us, like I said, this you could have dropped this episode in season three, four, five, six, yeah, <laughs> right. Whatever, and it would have it would have fit, you know, perfectly, which is great. That you know, here we are, not even at the halfway point of season two, and they're 
they're hitting, you know, they're socking some good dingers. Uh, I loved when they're at the um, uh, the track for the first time, <laughs> and, and, and it's it's Jimmy. He's he's he got to go lose a quick five pounds before yep. the race, and Sean's talking to the horse, and he goes, and he's you know, and he goes, he doesn't like oats or the alfalfa pellets. They are too chewy. They should be crunchy. Pellets should have a natural crunch to them. Also, the donkey at Stable Eleven is a pathological liar. I just it's I just so love good. that. It's so good. And I'll do this part of the line and you can finish it. Kid, you did ever tell you I've been happy handicapping horses for 20 years? That just sounds cruel. <laughs> it's just his delivery is just that seems so cruel. And I like that's a line I've been waiting to use my whole life. If somebody tells me they're a horse handicap, and I'll be like, that seems cruel. <laughs> yeah, it was just perfect because that sounds cruel. And it, like, because it's funny because like when you talk about like handicap, like, handicapping uh horse races and stuff like that you go oh okay yeah he's you know setting the odds and stuff like that like you don't think uh, you know you don't give it a second thought but when you think about it like oh jesus like yeah it's very easy to interpret that as someone just walking around with a tire iron kneecapping horses <laughs> just man just jeff galooling them right to yeah. the right to, right to the wickets uh, yeah. another one that i love um you know uh gus are you crazy i wouldn't say crazy Maybe an eccentric who looks good in jeans. I think <laughs> at one point that was either in like a profile on Twitter of mine, but it's just like, and honestly, he doesn't look good in jeans. Yeah, yeah no. And and those jeans, like I said before, were yeah. brutal because they looked yeah. like they was he was going to an ICP. They just yeah, they just missed like the metal loop that had the chain go to the front pocket for his wallet. Like they yeah. were they were not good jeans. Those I classic think... late nineties two baggy jeans with a faded white front, right? Yeah, not good. And yeah. uh I think in a later one, he's like, uh, I got these jeans at a garage. Yeah. Not a garage sale, a garage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's clearly not a man about the town. Like, uh, I think in, uh, what is it? The, uh, I think that's the second or third episode when he has to get the suit for the wedding, he still has the tags on it. That's right. That's right. So. And I love, <laughs> I love he's having one of his psychic uh, visions. He goes, I see a tall blonde woman. And Gus just goes, Brigitte Nielsen? Oh, such a good poll. Such a good poll. Uh, oh, and here's this was the other Henry uh, shirt line that I was looking for earlier, and I stumbled on. You're sorry, Dad. This shirt is a genocide of color. Somewhere a rainbow <laughs> is weeping. It's like, so that's good. a Nigel St. Nigel line, is what that is. Yeah, and I think that's you know, uh, shout out Tim Curry. Yeah. Uh, and like yeah, obviously he's a huge influence. We gotta we gotta reach out to Steve Franks and see if he wants to come on, maybe for season two's uh, yeah. ending because I think that's. Uh, the night at the museum one, which is a great episode. Oh yeah, that that's a fun one too, because because Gus is absolutely mortified about spending the night in the museum, and we get classic like you know scared out of his mind Gus in that one, especially uh, so with the I, mummy. Oh yeah, it's great. I don't have my multi. <laughs> right. uh, I'm not staying at the museum tonight, John. Uh, when he does the slee stack Indians, long stand, uh, you know, no, the choke Indians, long standing uh, enemies of the slee stack Cowboys. Oh yes, right. <laughs> and he's like nothing, like just crickets, and then he's like. Come on, Gus. A land of the lost reference is virtually unheard of in today's everyday conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then another one, which is kind of low key that I didn't pick up right away. Um, Gus, another thing that he has not talked about other than right here when he's talking about his teen wolf theory that, you know, uh, no one would be friends with a wolf just because he could play basketball if you were yeah. in high school with them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sean goes, save it for your podcast. Yeah, yeah, right. Which was a great, which was a great little line, because he goes, "Oh, does Gus have a podcast? I'd like to know." Yeah, I, I'd I listen mean, to that. He's but got that everything was, else. It's a, I mean, it's a great theory. 
He's like, just because a dude can duck a basketball doesn't mean you be friend with a with a wolf, you know. And I'll tell you what, I won't be buying shirts that say "I heart wolves" on or whatever it was. It was just, it was just so absolutely, good. it was, it was just a great, a great Gus line. And so Gus, Gus had some real, uh, oh. some real bangers too, you know. Add, you add know? Uh, this to the melody is right here. Yeah, right. Well, I love. Uh, I didn't flinch on you. Know I have a caffeine tick. <laughs> you so know? good. Which is perfect, Gus. You know, and uh, let's see. He said that Chad Michael. Murray, oh, and, and so you know, again getting hung up on this whole thing. Where Sean's like, I owe him. I owe him. And Gus goes, We owe him. He owes us for 170 lunches. You know, I added that up once with inflation. That's eighteen hundred dollars, Sean. <laughs> that's such a good comedy trope. They use it in so many episodes. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is a Seinfeld episode where uh, Uncle Leo doesn't tell. Yes. Uh, his his sister Jerry's mom about five hundred bucks they got from the track, that's and like right. his dad's like, you know, you put that into a T bill, thirty percent interest. That's like eighteen hundred dollars. Love me some Morty Seinfeld, oh, absolutely so fantastic. But yeah, I thought that was funny because again, Gus was just, just he was perfect, man. Like when he delivered his lines, everything was just was just <laughs> oh, absolutely yeah. perfect. When he was like, uh, you know, uh, what do you think, uh, Runny D? And then Gus impersonates the horse. And he's like, uh, you know, <laughs> I hate Jimmy because he pulled my pants down in front of Jenny Scarlatta. <laughs> so you're channeling the horse or uh, a kid with a tight fade in the third? Uh, no, a kid with a, a tight fade in the yeah. third grade. He's like, I didn't have a tight fade in the third grade, Sean. Like, <laughs> every de line delivery from Gus was just, and Sean, like, I think this is really where, I know you say, was it seasons four, five, six? Or is it three, four, five? Three, four, five are like, I think, I think right here in two, like, because right yeah. here in two, it just takes off. It, it actually it really does, and uh, it, it starts with this one. We got some real bangers, you know, coming up here. You know, pardon the pun, down the stretch. But this is, like I said, it was classic show. Just these two are just they're they're absolutely uh, you know perfect for each other. Oh, and then <laughs> when uh, when they're talking about um, uh, Jimmy's wife having an affair with Juan Carlos, Gus is very oh, yeah. sneaky. Goes. Looks like Juan Carlos was, ta uh, was taking all, all of Jimmy's mounts, which was just perfect. It was just, it was sneaky. It was quick. Uh, it was perfect. And and this takes us to Jimmy Nichols oh. because he wasn't in it long, but he was just he was a cocaine bender man in this oh. episode. Just the way he talked, everything was a mile, you know, million miles an hour. You know, like where's my money, dipwads? And even when he was a kid, he goes, "See you tomorrow, butt munches." It's yep. sloppy joes and tater tots, right? So you get the set, you know, like. He's just, you know, he's see tomorrow, dill holes. You can count yeah. us. Up. You can count on us, dill holes. Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing, Barf Beetle? I'm here to take your lunch money. Just like this, playing this exaggerated, over the top bully, even when he's a tiny little man, uh, was absolutely perfect. Uh, guys, I don't know what to say. I guess you're not total fart knockers after all. I just, just it like it's an it's goofy enough to like fit in this show like yeah normally the delivery of fart knockers can never be done properly but it's done great here and then when he's like you know hands off be purpose don't push me yeah and then uh you know i just can't believe that she cheated on me after i told her i wasn't gonna sleep with any more russian models yeah <laughs> like, it's it line just... deliveries everybody just crushed just crushed. yeah it was he was he was you know it was so funny because we talked about this with um Lou Diamond Phillips. So the character he played was very over the top, but it was very it was much more reserved. It was just like you know, accentuated. Uh it's same thing here, but it was this was just it was perfect. It was fitting because he was such, you know, uh, such a little guy playing this over-the-top personality fit uh absolutely perfectly. Mm -hmm. So he had you know, that was just like you know, he kept calling them, you know, douches and DBs, and it was just like 
it was just perfect. Like every time he talked, he was just always insulting them, uh, even though he had hired them, you know, to help him out, which I just thought was great. Um, Jules, like I said, Jules and Lassie weren't in it much, but they they each had two hump dingers of lines. And so Jules, uh, Lassie had asked Jules to go interview the jockeys, and she just had, had this look on her face. She was, Ooh, sorry. It's just little people make me. Well, let's just say I had a bad experience with a Christmas elf. Yeah. What, <laughs> like, he didn't what? give you your present that time? No, yeah. we dated. And he dummy for one of the ice storm dancers on ice. Like, yeah. And then she storms off. Another quick, great moment in the interrogation scene, and we'll get to the Lassie line in a second. I think that's when he walks in. I don't know if I'm confusing this with another episode, but Sean walks in and goes, can we just acknowledge that the chief is word leopard print? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was right before they went in because they're all sitting there and she's wearing this silk blouse and it's leopard print, which is so unlike her character. And the fact that he pointed it out and she just went, Oh shit, I am. You know, it was, it was just a great little, a quick little line, you know, that was in there that, you know, ten, nine times out of 10, the average person watching isn't going to give, you know, two shits about, but it was just, uh, oh, so it, was, good. it was just perfect. And then Lassie, Lassie might actually have the it's line close. of it's the close. episode. <laughs> because so they're, they're going through the talk screen. He had cocaine. He had, you know, pop, 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 He's listening to all these things. Amphetamines, uh, uh, ketamine. And he goes, he was only horse four strike, foot. Uh, no, and Viagra. <laughs> yeah, horse strike laggers and Viagra. He was four foot nine and three feet of that was drugs. Yep. Which was just <laughs> absolutely perfect. And the way, like, in Lassie, I think we all know, is the best actor on the show. Um, so he like the way he you know delivered it again. Delivery was everything. They were the fucking yeah. mailman, uh, Carl Malone style on this episode. But another thing, when they're breaking it down, and this episode just has so many good moments because we didn't even mention where he's doing the Seven Eleven thing, Slurpee, Big Gulp, uh, Doritos, breaking down the film in the uh, the office where he can't yep. you know see. He's blinded by uh, solar light flares or whatever it is. What is Keme when he smells? He smells uh, lasting. He's like, is that is that was that like a cologne like i've looked that up i can't yeah, find it I if anybody no knows that one eludes me yeah yeah because like rock like uh lassie gets super i almost said rossi but lassie gets <laughs> super offended by it like get out of here like if anybody knows what chem a is like i feel like it might be like a a weird cologne you would have bought it like abercrombie and fitch or some shit right. but like, like tresemme like, you know yeah. some shit like that you know yeah, Please, that would have eluded me. That would eluded me as well. So those were those were some of our good lines. So we can we can go ahead and start to wrap this thing up here, uh, uh, you know, Dusty, and uh, let's get to the creamsicle here. So uh, a couple of running gags, you know, we had. So we got a good. We got actually a couple of good Gus nicknames. One was official, where he called him Gus Oil Can Burton. Uh, Burton Oil Can Guster. Oh yeah, yeah, Bert, Burton Oil Can Guster, and then. Uh, at the end there, when you know, you know, he's trying to, he's like, I'm going to give you some fresh new nicknames. And he goes, Burton the billowy bear, uh, you know, because he's, you know, a fiend for alliteration. So he's a slave to it. Absolutely perfect. Um, we do get a pineapple. It's on, it's on Sean's uh, track shirt. Yep. Uh, here, so no physical pineapple, but there was one present. Um, and and Gus Malades, right? This is one we're going to always sort of come across. We've added this to the list. Caffeine tick, uh, and then, yep. um, then just like a smattering of lower body. Yeah, shin splints. Uh, <laughs> Gus here had an Achilles heel. Uh, <laughs> make that two Achilles heels, Sean. You know, which is so so shit like that. So some great malades. Uh, we talked about the Henry Prick alert already. It was minor in this one, but it, it was still there. So um, on a scale of uh, you know you know zero to eight, Billy, I gave this uh, seven pineapples. I saw you bump it up too because you were a little I lower. I was a little I think lower. It is, I bumped it up. It is that good. And yeah. I went 
you know, a hard, like, uh, almost, I almost went like eight and a half. Yeah. No, Ooh. seven and a half. Yep. We'll, we'll go slightly lower. We'll go yep. seven and three sevenths. So pretty close because you, I can't find anything wrong. Like yeah. besides like the costuming, like th- right. th- this, this was a hall of famer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I initially gave it six and a half. I bumped it up to seven. Uh, you know, cause as we're talking, like, yeah, you know, it, it really was, you know, a lot funnier than, than I recall. So, uh, great, great episode all around Billy. So come on, son. Come on. Come on, son. Come on. Um, son. next week meat is murder. Uh, but also murder is murder. I uh, know what's the actual, it is meat is murder, but mercy, murder is also murder. Um, like we won't spoil any of it. It's just go watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Because Gus's uncle, another one. I <laughs> think they just like the cameos get so yeah. good. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely fantastic. Everything about it, and the fact that Gus is trying to impress his uncle the whole time just is a great element to that episode. The crime is great. Because um, what know, is I, he from? Two two seven. Like what is he from? He's from like a bunch of stuff back. Homicide, uh, right? Is a homicide on the streets or uh, he's like he, that? he's in that, but I think he's also in like a classic comedy too. He's a great actor. Yeah, he is. He, you, as soon as you see him, you're gonna you're gonna recognize him. And this is the whole theme of this episode was absolutely perfect. This might be this might get close to an eight to me, for me on this one. And I will say really quickly, it is so unbelievable that they created characters in this episode where they kind of flip the script in season two, but like they have that much character equity um, yeah. that they can do that. And John Amos, who's, you know, yeah. just a, a legend. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's in so. coming to America, obviously as the guy yeah. who owns McDowell's die hard too. Yeah. Uh, good times. Good times. Not there, we go. there we go. Yep. Awesome. 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 All right, Billy. So until next week, wait for it. Bryce says hi. <laughs>